Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Matthew. Um, your incoming pastor, Pastor Kendra, um, as well as Jane Allen and me in a former life, are lectionary preachers. Um, what that means is um, there is a suggested, in, in uh, Methodism it's not a mandatory, but it is a suggested um, calendar and table of scriptures to be read on different Sundays. Um, it is a wonderful practice that I have fallen away from. It is a wonderful practice because it disciplines the preacher and the, and the congregation to hear passages or to consider ways God is at work that we would not normally do. So this is, and it seems most appropriate to me, this is the gospel lesson for this Sunday. It comes from uh, Matthew chapter 9, uh, verses 35 through 38, and then it picks up again in the beginning of uh, chapter 10. We're told this, Then Jesus went out about the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, also known as Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Cananean, the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Hmm. Oh God, we thank you for your word for your way. We thank you for unfolding this passage in our midst on this Sunday. Amen. If you receive our uh, Wednesday e-news, you saw the great graphic that Jen, our office administrator, posted uh, for me um, for this last uh, Sunday here leading worship at Stone. Um, there's a person, a little graphic um, of this a woman breaking through this ribbon in a race and the confetti is flying. Um, it's quite a celebration. And that title that went with it is One Last Time. One Last Sermon. It's been interesting to me how many people have asked me, what are you going to preach on your last Sunday? Um, I had uh, one of my clergy colleagues who retired a few years ago had suggested, because this is what he did, he went back and found his favorite sermon and, -pre and preached it again. Well, there's a couple troubles with that. I don't keep my sermons, and even if I did, I wouldn't know where they were. So, so, this, is all, so this, is, this is all new. Um, a lot of ideas. But sincerely... What I'm doing this morning is what I've done every Sunday uh, for the last uh, 28 years, uh, but last 12 years here. 
I want us to look at the scripture for this day because it is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, right? Um, I was also thinking about worship this morning. Um, it really gives, uh, it really testifies to what I believe is that worship is not a performance. It's an interaction with people and it involves crying and mics sometimes working or not working or it's real. That's what I love about it. It's real. So this lesson you just heard from the gospel uh, passage this morning um, seemed really appropriate to go to this day. By the time we get to this passage in the ninth chapter of Matthew, a lot of ministry has already happened. Um, the disciples have been taught. Uh, we, have, we hear a long passage that we call the Sermon on the Mount. There's been healing of so many people. A leper, a centurion servant, a paralytic, a blind man, a deaf man, Peter's mother-in-law, a hemorrhaging woman. The list is long. Already in these first eight chapters, Jesus has stilled the storm, has raised a little girl from the dead, and has cast out demons. Do you feel it? All that has already happened. All that's already been done. All these possessed and ill people needing help pressing in on Jesus. And we're told that when he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. He didn't do what I might do. Are you kidding me? I'm exhausted. Jesus did not say he was going to retire. No. When he saw the crowd, we're told he had compassion on them because they were harassed like a, and uh, helpless, like a sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion. And then what was his response? Not frantic activity, again, where I would probably lean. No Superman cape, no Lone Ranger mask. No. We're told he calls his disciples together. And Matthew tells us that he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let's stop there for a minute. Jesus sees this massive need in the community surrounding him. What you think, or at least what I think is going to happen, is that this is the point where Jesus is going to gather the disciples together, send them out in twos by twos with all these instructions, get going. Do it. But that's not what happens here. At least not yet. Jesus' first instruction is not to action. It's to prayer. Hmm. Prayer as the starting point for all the good that needs to be done in the world. Ask the Lord to send out laborers to the harvest. And then it's only after that instruction to pray that we hear Jesus giving these three the authority to heal and to cast out demons. Prayer first, action follows. Prayer first, action follows. Then the list of the 12. Some of them we know well. Peter and Andrew, James and John, Thomas and Matthew. But then there's those others listed as disciples. Philip and Bartholomew, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the Cananean, 
and of course, Judas Iscariot. Some of these 12 big characters, those with those gifts that are so noticeable, and some lesser, not lesser in gifts, but in quieter gifts that are less noticed, but just as needed. Okay, so here's the part of the sermon, which again, I've done it, I'd like to say a gazillion times, but it's quite, not quite that many. The question that we have to ask, what does this have to do with us, right? What does this have to do with us? And we ask that why? Because we believe as Christians that this is a living word. And the living word then continues to speak to us as the word of God, for the people of God, thanks be to God. Four truths, or at least what I believe are four truths for us. The first is the harvest is still plentiful. We see it, we know it, we feel it. God's kingdom has not yet come on earth, not even close. Individuals, families, communities need to know the justice of Jesus and the love of God. God's good earth has had enough of our abuse and disregard, and it is raging and ranting and raving for care. Hearts, heads, and hands need to be turned away from violence. Number one truth, the harvest is still plentiful. Second truth I hear in this is you and I, we need to pray. We need to go deep in prayer. Authentic prayer to God to send laborers to do the work, to do the ministry, to do the service that needs to be done. And with that, we need to be open to the possibility, I would say the probability, that we are the ones to be sent. Um, quite often, understandably, I've been asked the question, what are your plans for retirement? Um, Lightheartedly, I've responded, um, more biking with Dave, more time with our grand boys, more opportunity to travel, to actually read the books that I have bought over the years that are stacking up uh, in the corner. Deeper? I need to spend time in prayer. I desire, I desire to be open to discern what God is calling me to do and sending me to do now. What's the ministry before me? Yes, I am retiring. I'm retiring from the appointment system in the United Methodist Church. I remain a clergy, but more importantly, I remain a disciple of Jesus Christ. I believe that as long as we have breath in us, God is calling us to do, care, and love the world. Um, Dave and I, we plan to stay in our house. Um, and we remain committed to this community that has been home to both of us since we graduated from Allegheny. So um, 43 years, um, 44 years, Dave and I have been part of the Meadville community and plan to continue to um, be active and serve in the ways that we feel God um, calling us. They might be new ways, they might be old ways, um, but we need to be open first to prayer and discernment. Um, again, my inclination is to keep doing or start doing more, 
but rather when I hear this story from me, it's like, first, pray, Sarah, because the harvest is plentiful. God's going to send someone. Will it be you? Let's see. Um, for you all, with a new pastor, it seems strange, I know, and and a few weeks ago, I said, I think at 12 years, I was the longest serving pastor, but I, I was, I'm told it was actually Dr. Marriott, who was here for 16 years. The new coming and going of pastors is very um, common in the United Methodist tradition. Um, it has, it's just, I've been here so long that maybe it feels a little bit strange to you and to me. The invitation of the scripture then is for you to pray with Pastor Kendra about the harvest, about the needs for laborers in the field, God's field, to be open to God's call on you, which might be to do something new, or it might be a renewed call to something that you have already been part of. And then fourth, Jesus gave his disciples to do the work he called and sent them to do. They did not go alone, 12 appointed, all of them with different perspectives, gifts, and abilities, all in that same work of discipleship. That word that you're not alone is one that I hope you've taken in, again, into your heart and into your head. If I uh, leave you with uh, a truth that I completely believe wholeheartedly is that God never leaves us alone. Even when we don't feel the presence of God, it is not that God is not with us. That uh, we remain a loved, called, forgiven, convicted, <laughs> inspired people. Um, that's it. God is with us, no matter what, no matter where. And God still has good and holy work for you all, and for me to do. Uh, so what is that work? What is that work? I just want to uh, close with, uh, I believe this is the first passage I preached on. I don't know if here or way back in my first congregation. Because over the years, now and then, you know, it comes up in ministry. How will we be saved? How would we know? Um, what is the way? And although there is much said about this in scripture, the truth that I uh, hold dear comes from Matthew 25. Uh, Jesus is uh, giving a parable about the judgment. And he says this. When the, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. And then the king will say to those at his right hand, come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
When was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And then the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. That's your call. That's my call. The harvest is plentiful. I've got to believe the laborers are not few, but are many. So let's go forward, apart in person, but together in spirit. Amen. Amen.